And would you turn with me to Psalm 130? Every Sunday we go and we open the written word, the Bible, because we believe that it reveals the living word, Jesus Christ. And so if you will stand with us in the honor of reading God's word. The psalmist says in Psalm 130, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. May God bless this word. You may be seated at this time. I'm pretty excited this morning. I've always wanted to preach with a towel, and so uh, I'm going to get that opportunity this morning. You think I'm kidding. It's always been kind of like a dream of mine. Wide up, I'm so glad to be with you this morning. Um, My wife and I uh, spent a couple Sundays out. Uh, We always take a couple Sundays off in the summer to rest up. Uh, Fall and Christmas time is probably the busiest, most compacted time in ministry. And so we kind of get away a little bit. Um, and, and I enjoyed my time. I went to Destin, Florida, to the beautiful beaches there. It was amazing. You can get from my driveway to Destin in nine hours. That is amazing. And so that's what we did, and it was wonderful. But I, I missed you guys a lot. Uh, I just want you to know that I, I pray for you guys every single week. I pray for many of you by name. Uh, not only do I pray for you by name, even when I'm not here, but as I talk with you in your life, uh, one of my goals has always been to not have to ask you what I can pray for you about, but that I would know you well enough in conversation that I'm praying for just the things that we're talking about. And so always know that as you're talking with me, I'm making mental notes or trying to the best that I can to think of how I can pray for you just by knowing your life and what's going on. And so I love you guys this morning. And as I stand before you today, I don't stand before you as a perfect person. Uh, I don't stand before you as... um, Somebody who just by my title as pastor, I get to stand up here and preach. I believe I'm up here this morning because I love you. I care for you. I love this church. And so I just want to preface and remind you as I enter back into the pulpit for a few weeks that I'm here because I love you and I care for your soul. And I am taking you to the scriptures this morning because I care for your soul. And I believe that God has a powerful word for you this morning. I actually like that the AC is out. I was thinking about this morning. Because um, it, it's not just any other Sunday. It reminded me, like, we will never forget this Sunday, right? You will, this is like the hottest day of the decade, okay? I think it's like 102 is the high today. And we're in here with no AC and like, you know, 150 people. So uh, you will never forget this day based upon the circumstances. And so it is my desire that you'll never forget this day because of the word that was preached. And the title of the message this morning is, is that Jesus is the morning. If you look in verse 6, Verse 6, the psalmist says, my soul waits for the Lord. 
more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible because it is a beautiful and poetic repetition in which the psalmist uses somebody waiting for the sun to rise. He, he has this illustration, this image of light coming from the earth to take away the darkness. And the way that he talks about God's faithfulness and love in our lives is that in the deep, dark night of life, God is faithful to bring light. Verses 1 through 4 show us that in the deep dark of our sin, God is faithful to bring light. The psalmist says, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. The psalmist sees his sin. The psalmist cries for mercy. He says, I'm not what I should be. I have iniquities or that's sin or that means wrongdoing. I, I have things in my life that are not the right way. And many of you this morning, you've come in here and you've got iniquities, you've got wrongdoing, you've got things that you've struggled with this week. And the Bible refers to sin as like darkness, the, the deep darkness of our life. You see, we were created in Genesis, it says, to be in God's image, to be bearers of light, to be children of, of godliness and light, and yet we have sinned and we have walked away from God. We have failed so many times, and yet in the deep, dark night of sin, God is faithful, the psalmist says, to bring light. He said, this is why I wait. Verse 4, the psalmist says, but with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. You see, however deep our sin is, the forgiveness of God has a longer ladder of grace. You may have sinned this week. You may have fallen short. You may have done a million things you know you shouldn't have done. You, you might be so struggling this week, and yet the word of this psalm is that with God there is forgiveness. It is plentiful. The love of God in verse 7, he says, is, is steadfast. It does not change. The love of God never runs out. It never fails. It never ends. It never gets drained. It never gets voided. The love of God for you in Christ is permanent. It is sealed. It is a gospel promise and certainty. It is a concrete foundation of which you can build your life upon. And because the psalmist says that God is revealed to us in his word... He's revealed to us right here and in the community of faith, he has revealed to us that there is forgiveness. He has revealed to us through the parting of the Red Sea, through the creation of the world, through giving Abraham's wife a son when she couldn't have a son to populate the world. All of the miracles that God has performed, he has proven to us, he has shown to us ultimately on the cross with his death, burial, and resurrection that he will save us, that he will heal us, that he will fix us in our brokenness. Church, this psalm is the gospel. That however bad you messed up this week, that God loves you, that he is with you, that he is anxious to help you. And then in verse five, the psalmist says, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. So now he is waiting because God is forgiving. And he says, my soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. Watchmen in the psalmist's day, the psalm was written probably about 3,000 years ago, uh, a watchman primarily had two purposes. One was a watchman would, could be considered a shepherd who would watch over the sheep at night to make sure that wolves and uh, people didn't steal the sheep or harm the sheep. 
But the most common thing that the word watchman would have been used for was someone who would stand outside of the city late at night, and they would watch the outer parts of the territory, and they would make sure that no enemies were coming to attack the land. This was a very stressful job. This was a very straining job. And, and, and it was so straining, they broke it up into four sessions at night. And so, like from six to nine, somebody would watch, from nine to 12, from 12 to three. And then the shift referring to here, because they're talking about the morning, was from three in the morning to six in the morning, there was a few people that were set aside to watch outside of the city to make sure no enemies were coming. And this was taxing because if they were to miss something or not alert the people soon enough, or, or, or if, they were, if they were to fall asleep or something, literally their whole civilization, their whole way of life could be ended right there because they missed something. So they would sit out for three hours straight. I mean, adrenaline pumping. These people had to have really good eyesight. They have to be able to stand up late at night. I mean, they were watching. It was a stressful time. They didn't have an American army to protect them like we do today. Their, their way of life could end at any moment. They could be captured at any moment. They lived in a time of less certainty. And so a watchman would sit out and they would watch the city and it was stressful and it was bearing and it was tough, much like this life that we live in. It's, it's tough and it's stressful and it's taxing and it's like one bad thing after the next and you, you reach one life goal and then you're still discontent so you want something else. It was like this deep, dark night just like our lives and the watchman would be watching the city and then the sun would rise. And whenever the sun rose, it meant that they were safe because most enemies would attack between the 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. window because they would attack late at night and by the time they broke the gates of the city, they'd be in and then there would be light for them to see what they were doing and what they were ravaging and so on and so forth. And so whenever the sun would rise, the watchmen would be so relieved. You'd be like, oh my goodness, thank goodness, we're safe for another day. And it meant the struggle and the shift was over. It meant the battle was over. It meant that they were safe. It was such a relieving feeling when the sun would rise and they were safe for another day and they were off duty. And the psalmist compares that to you and to me waiting for God's salvation. And the deep, dark night of life and everything that we struggle with. Church, this is the main idea this morning. Jesus is the morning. Jesus is the morning. Jesus is the morning in which the light comes and the struggle ends. We are not perfect, but we are now forgiven. The psalm was written 1,000 years before Jesus came to the earth. And so thinking of watchmen waiting for the morning, let me read you these verses. There was a prophecy in Isaiah 9, and it said, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. In Matthew 4, 6, this verse is actually referenced to say, Look, this was talking about Jesus. And then in John 8, 12, the, the main verse, if you know one verse this morning, I want you to hear this. John 8, 12, Jesus says, Jesus spoke again to the people, and he said, I am the light of of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In the dark night of life, Jesus is the morning sun. 
Jesus was not just a, a good moral teacher. He wasn't just a nice, pithy guy wearing a dress, walking around, kissing everybody. He, he, wasn't, um, he wasn't a weak man. He was the son of God, and he died because he came to die. He laid his life down, not because he could not fight off the armies, but because he had chosen to lay his life down for your sin, because the world was broken. The wages of sin is, is death. The gun had been fired. The bullet was in the air. But God sent Jesus to take it for you on the cross, to die for your sins, to, to wash you white as snow, to, to restart you, to wash you clean. And when he rose again, we rose again with him. And now we are with Christ. We are cleaned. And in God's eyes, we are beautiful and lovely and wonderful. We're not, we're not struggling with addiction. We're not, we're not marred. We might still struggle, but we are forgiven of those things that we still struggle with. When we were in darkness, a light has shone on the people, and his name is Jesus Christ. And just like watchmen in the morning waiting for the sun to rise, literally the Son of God did rise. And Jesus Christ is the morning. And I, I think we, we live in the city, and so we live in one of like the brightest places on earth. If you go out at night, like I live, you know, right the street from here and when I go out at night like honestly it's I can see everything like I can go out at night and there's so many city lights I can look like all the way down my street and see everything there's light everywhere there's light so much that like it it fills up the sky at night and yet we went out of town about a week ago to uh, uh, this place called Enchanted Rock I don't know if you've ever been there kind of out in the country outside of Austin and uh, man it is dark in the country when there's no lights, like if you've ever like been driving in the country and you turn your headlights out on the road and it like, it like scares you because you're like, oh my goodness, if my lights went out, I would be stuck, right? We don't really understand the concept of darkness to, to the, the depth that the people in Jesus' time would have understood it. There was no electricity back then and we forget this. When the sun went down, it was dark, it was black. You could not extend your time awake unless you had a lot of candles, you could not even see your hand in front of your face. It was so dark in the dark times of night. And this is the understanding that the biblical authors had when they wrote this, when Jesus saying that I am the light of the world, the people have walked in darkness, and yet I have brought a piercing light. When we struggle with sin, when we can't find our way in this life, Jesus is the morning. He's the beacon. We come to him for salvation when we feel wrong, when we feel like we're not good enough, when we feel like we have failed and messed everything up. We come to him and we place our faith in him that he has made us right with the Father. And when we don't know what to do in life and we don't know how to act and we, we don't know what we're doing, we go to the scriptures, we read them, we, we read about Christ and we begin to image him in our lives. We begin to live like him by the power of the Spirit and we beg the Spirit to make us like Jesus because he is the light when we're trying to figure out what we are called to do. And yet though God provides the morning light of Christ, here's the main practical application. You have to enter that light. You have to jump in to the light. We, uh, as I mentioned, we went to Destin, Florida, and uh, disclaimer, one of our, our goals in going to Destin was we we're trying to mark one of my life's, one of my wife's life goals off of her bucket list. 
my wife, from the time, I mean, when we just began dating, I knew from the very beginning that one of my wife's goals was to uh, swim with, with real-life, wild, untamed dolphins in the ocean, okay? One of her life goals. A little bit dangerous, yes. Um, so we went to Destin, and we were going to the beach to hang out, but we knew deep down that the pinnacle of our trip was we were going to go out in the wild in the middle of the ocean, and we were going to try and find wild, live, untamed, real, authentic dolphins in nature. So we, uh, we worked the system a little bit. So when we got to Destin, we took two guided tours to go find the dolphins. And our plan was they would take us out there and they, we would see kind of where the dolphins, like how you find them and where they're at. And then we would come back on the last day, we'd rent our own boat and we'd go out and find them ourselves. So we went on the two guided tours and sure enough on both tours, they took us out to these certain parts of the ocean. I mean, legitimately the ocean. This isn't Sea World, right? This is like real dolphins, not tame. It's in the zoo. This is like the ocean. And so they took us out there and we, we found dolphins and on the last day, we decided, you know what, we're going to actually do this. We're going to get our own jet ski. We're going to rent it. We're going to go out in the ocean. Don't tell my mom. And we're going to go find real dolphins. And we were talking the day before uh, because I, we were in the car uh, going to eat somewhere. And I said, Halsey, you know, I know you've always talked about this. And I know it's like one of your life goals. Would you really jump in the ocean with dolphins? Like, I, I mean, I, I know it sounds good. I know it sounds beautiful. But like, you know... Set aside the emotion. W- would you actually do this? Because you know, like, dolphins aren't the only thing that are in the ocean, right? Like, there's, like, sharks, and there's a lot of dangerous stuff, right? Um, and I don't advocate that anybody does this or anything, but this is just the conversation we were having. And she said, you know, I, I really don't know. Like, I-, I, now that I think about it, I'm kind of a more cautious person. I mean, at the very least, we can drive up to them, and maybe I can touch it or something, right? Like, we can stay on the, the jet ski, though. So the last day, we, we go out. And we, uh, we hop on the jet ski, which is a lot of fun, by the way. It's like my new hobby. I'm, I'm, I love it. And uh, we go out, and we're searching around in the middle, literally the middle of the ocean, right off of Florida, and we can't find dolphins anywhere. We're looking for an hour, can't find dolphins. We're just in the middle of the ocean. Um, it's kind of eerie being out there by yourself. I, I never really realized that. It's a big ocean. It's just us. We got so desperate, we found another dolphin tour that was trying to find dolphins, and we kind of tried to tell them a little bit, because thinking maybe their guy could find one, and we could then, you know, go over to it, but they couldn't find one either. I mean, these dolphins were, like, hiding, you know, so they knew we were coming or something. So uh, we're driving, been driving for about over an hour, and we're, we're beginning to head maybe even back, because we don't know what to do. And all of a sudden, my wife, who was driving at this time, she jerks a jet ski. She's like, I saw one. And so we, we're, we're jetting literally probably like 50 miles an hour on a jet ski across the middle of the ocean because she thinks she saw a dolphin. And believe it or not, we see three live, wild, authentic, non-sea world dolphins, okay, in the real ocean, in the wild. But the problem we had was that they were in the dark water. If you've ever been to Destin, there's like dark water and there's like light, nice water. Like there's like the Galveston water that's kind of dark and murky and can't really see into it. And then there's like the really nice water where it's like crystal clear. And I don't know why there's a difference, but there just is, right? And, uh, and so, but the dolphins, they were in the dark, murky water. And so like literally one would jump out of the water and jump back in and we would watch it. But like once they would jump in the water, we, we would lose them. And so we, we couldn't swim with them. It wasn't really helpful. Whenever they would choose to come up, we could see them. And then we lost them. And my wife is like, you know, I, I don't know for sure, but I think I might have seen them heading back towards the clear water because that was the pinnacle. That was the goal was if we could see the dolphins in the beautiful, clear water, then maybe we could have a chance to maybe engage them a little bit because we could know where they were at. And so we lost them and we'd only found them once. And so we said, well, let's just go back and let's, let's head to the clear water. So we're heading over there. And I, I'm not making this up. This was the highlight of my, of my trip. 
we head to the clear water. And, and they, they usually stay in the darker water. They don't, I mean, they come to the clear water, but not as often. I kid you not, the Lord is my witness. The second that we crossed the threshold from the dark water coming into the light water, we're, we've, we've probably, we're about probably 10, 20 feet into the beautiful water. We see the same three beautiful, majestic, real, authentic, non-sea world dolphins heading right for us. And I'll tell you what, my wife has told me, these are majestic and beautiful creatures, okay? If there are angels of the sea, they are dolphins, okay? And they're, they're heading towards us, and it's like, it's this, it's like all in wonder. I can't explain it. Like, like real dolphins, like coming towards us, and they're so beautiful, and we're in this jet ski by ourselves in the ocean, and we're pulling up to them, and it's like we had this chance. We had this moment because they're heading back towards the dark water, and my wife is kind of an indecisive person, but out of nowhere, without saying anything, my wife, as the dolphins are coming up to us, she literally stands up on the jet ski and jumps into the water with the dolphins. And my first thought was like, oh my goodness, this is so amazing. And my second thought was, get out of the water, this is the ocean, get back on the boat. And I'm not going to lie and chalk the story up, because once she jumped in, they, they, they scurried off, you know. I mean, they're, they're dolphins, they had a baby, they're protecting them. But it was like that moment where we both knew in that moment that probably in our life, this might be the only chance we would ever get to fulfill this dream. And sometimes in life, maybe you've had an opportunity, you learn they don't come around all that often, and that opportunities, as they say, they don't just wait around for, for you. They don't, they don't last forever. They're, they're not endless. They're not a, a, abundant. You, you get a moment with, with somebody, or you get a moment to have a dream happen in your life. It's not every day you're out in the middle of the beautiful ocean and destined on a jet ski that you rented by yourself, and there's three dolphins swimming towards you. And so my wife, to fulfill one of her life dreams, jumped in, and she can say she has now officially swam with wild, live, authentic, non-sea world dolphins. And I say that because the, the reality is, is Christ is the morning, but you have to enter that light. You, you, you have a moment. You have an opportunity. God provides it. It is before you. And, and the problem for most people is not that they don't know that the light is here. They've heard it. They've, they, they've, they've heard, had someone tell them about it. But for many people, they've never entered into that light. And if you were here this morning and you don't know the purpose or the meaning of your life, if you're not sure if you're really a Christian, if you're saved, if you don't remember a time when you placed your full faith and trust in Jesus, if you were uncertain, then I would ask that you do that today. I would ask that you place your faith in him because he is the provision of God, God's light and the dark world that you and I live in. It was Jesus Christ. It is here for you. It is abundant. It is available. There's an opportunity and if you've encountered Jesus, you will know that you've encountered him. In our lives, there's not like the question, did we really jump in with the dolphins or not? No, it's, it's positive. We're certain. It actually happened. There's no in-between. And yet a lot of people, they live life uncertain as to kind of where they're at with Jesus and how much they really care. And maybe they, they've said they, they, they converted or, or they, they got baptized when they were nine years old or something, but they're not really a, a disciple of Jesus. You see, God provides the morning light, but we have to embrace it. Faith is jumping in. Faith is jumping into the light. It is stepping out of the darkness into light with faith in Jesus Christ. 
see the psalmist says, I wait for the morning. More than a, I wait for God more than a watchman waits for the morning. I'm waiting. And a thousand years after the psalmist wrote this, Jesus Christ comes. And 2,000 years ago from today, Jesus came. The light has shone on the earth. And as Christians, we are children of light. We are recipients of this love. If you feel like your life is dark this morning, I want you to know this. Jesus is the morning sun. And the last thing I'll say is maybe if you're already a Christian this morning and you're saying, what does this mean for me? I've already placed my faith and I'm not perfect, but I'm I'm trying. What it means for you is that as you live this life and you embrace everything that you deal with, every job, every relationship, every circumstance, when darkness comes in, in your life, maybe it's through a person, maybe it's through a circumstance, maybe it's through an event, maybe life is just tough in general, maybe you struggle with depression, maybe it's an ambiguous sadness in your life, like whatever it is for the Christian, whatever darkness we encounter, we look back to Christ because he is the morning light. He is the sun that rose to resemble the sun that does rise in the sky and he brings light to the dark places of our hearts. We don't look to money or to possessions. We don't look to circumstances. We don't look to anything outside of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is the morning. Jesus Christ is the light that has been provided for you. Church, I love you, and I I want you to not live in the darkness, and I don't want to be naive to think that those things don't come, that life doesn't strike But I believe that whenever darkness invades our souls, I believe with everything in me that Jesus Christ is the light. Would you join me in the the pains and the struggles of your life? Would you invite the light into the darkness with me? Would you live a life of faith? Would you jump in to the light that God has already provided? And as Christ promised in the Great Commission, he will be with us always until the very end when he returns. Would you pray with me at this time? Holy Spirit, this is the part of the service where we come to you having sang songs together having heard the gospel proclaimed, having heard Psalm 130, having seen Jesus Christ's fulfillment, having seen his light that you provide for us. And now, Spirit, we ask that you take this word, you take this concept, and that you make it true in our hearts. God, I pray that if there's somebody here this morning and their life is dark, and they're struggling, and they're broken, I pray that they would see in this very moment that you are the light of life, that Jesus, you are the one that has come, that you are the one, you're not just a good man, but you're the the son of God who was sent to brighten the dark parts of our being. Father, we pray for those in this room who are struggling with sin and addiction. We pray for the the dark parts in our heart that that we often don't make known to people because we're embarrassed or we're afraid or we're ashamed. 
Holy Spirit, I pray that you would shine a light in those dark areas. That in the the dark, sinful parts of our heart, that we would surrender self to Jesus Christ. That we would emerge out of the darkness and emerge into the morning light. And lastly, Father, I pray that you would make us a light in this community and in this world. God, we don't just believe the light. The light isn't just something that is inside of us. The light is something that you call to shine through us in this world. God, I pray for myself and for this church that we would be the people of light who proclaim the message that Jesus is the morning, that Jesus Christ is the light that we need. And God, we thank you for your son. We thank you for the truth and for the hope as we sing and take the Lord's Supper, I just pray that these elements would be used to remind us that you are with us and that Jesus, the same as you were last week, this week, you are the morning for the dark things that we struggle with. We pray all these things in the perfect name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.